tell you, it's like every time I come here, I get so refreshed. You know, I preach and I preach and I preach and I preach and I I preach some more. And then I just keep on preaching. And I preach where the churches I go are anointed and I I preach where there's dead as doornails. But you know what? I just keep on preaching. I just keep on preaching because I know and I believe in the power of this word. I'm telling you, it will raise the dead body. Oh, spiritually or physically. I'm telling you, there's resurrection power in the word of God. There is resurrection power in it. But when I come here, it is like I am ministered to when I first walk in this place. I'm just ministered to. And, you know, I will just uh, agree with Pastor Jerry about our strong friendship and in ministry and our relationship and our standing for one another and with one another for miraculous things we needed. Uh, and, and uh, oh, absolutely receive them too, might I add. And so when the Lord, and it seems like when I come here, God always shows me something that uh, puts a little pressure on me, but yet I know that I'm supposed to do it. And so when the Lord began to deal with me, I was praying and fasting and uh, asking the Lord for this meeting last month and uh, asking the Lord, what do you have for me to give at Victory that I might impart What do you want to use me to impart for this upcoming year for victory? God, you know everything that's coming. You know everything that's been. And you know everything that's going on right now. But God, I know you're never looking backwards. And you don't talk about where we are. You always speak to the future. Have you ever noticed that about God? He never, never, never uh, uh, settles in on where we are. I tell you, you're hot today. I'm telling you, you locked in in the Holy Ghost today like I don't know I've ever seen you do before. I mean, you know, because you've been growing. And I I want you to be encouraged, son. I see the growth. You must have been praying more. You must have been in the Word more. Because that's what pulls the anointing out of you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I couldn't be still. I didn't want to try to be still. I'm not trying to squelch God. Are you? That's what's wrong with us. Oh, we want to get out in front of God and set on Him. Honey, not me. I'm going to take it right behind Him. And I'm going to keep up with Him. In the name of Jesus. Gonna run faster. Glory be to God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on now. You're making me feel like what I'm used to. <laughs> but the Lord dealt with me, and Pastor Jerry, I've never done this before. The main reason is I have never I have to I'm getting back out of that light for just a little bit if you're wondering what I'm doing. I have never done this. Because I have seen in my lifetime, honey, you live to be as old as we are. You've seen some things. But I have seen people, like if not jump all the way over the line, get right up to the line of taking the glory. 
And I've always been very cognizant of Herod. <laughs> because I didn't want an angel to come smite me down dead. Worms eat me. You know. Because, see, I believe everything the Bible says. You know, some folks will say, oh, Sister Burris, that's Old Testament. Well, honey, that's New Testament. <laughs> and so I've always been so careful. So careful, and believe I've walked in wisdom in doing it, that I absolutely have not shared so many things that I have experienced with God. And so, therefore, I was shocked and almost dismayed when God showed me how I was to minister this morning. But I want you to know it has nothing to do with me. Because I'm telling you, when God uses you in the miraculous, you know how nothing you had to do with it. You just got to be there. You know, I'm just telling you. But the Lord said to me, I want you to share some things on Sunday morning. And oh, have I got a word tonight. I've got a word this morning too, but, but I'm just obeying God in the cadence of it and all. And the Lord said, I want you to, to share some things. Because he said, my people, especially people who are in the word and have been in the word like this church has been in the word for many, many years. And remain steadfast in it. And, and kept the Holy Ghost alive too. Because some churches, oh, we're word churches, we're word, we're word, we're word. But you can't feel any movement when you get in there. Because it's like they've sat on the Holy Ghost so long, he just knows he don't even try to get up. Because he knows, he knows, no need to try to stand up here because they'll set me right back down. But knowing that that is not this church and knowing the level of maturity, I felt like God showed me that's why I said, God, I have never done this before and you know I haven't and I tell you in fear and trembling I do it today but the Lord wanted me to remind you all of a scripture that you probably heard me say uh, repeat uh, quote hundreds of times in this church but it's a revelation that God gave me in James chapter 2 and you can read the whole thing of it, but I'm just going to pick this out because it's Sunday morning and I know you've got a roast in the oven. I get it. James chapter 2, verse 18. Yea, <clears throat> a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Now that word works, if you go back to the original, it means evidence. So let's read it like that. That's why I use King James. It's the only Bible you can run all the way back to the original it writings, you know, because the rest of them are so watered down or fixed up or set up. And I don't care what you use. I'm just not breaking up with King James myself. I've been dating this brother for many years. And this brother has been good to me. I'm sticking with him. <laughs> he has taken me places I would have never got to go without knowing him. So I'm going to stick with him. But let's read it like this. Yay. A man may say, thou hast faith, faith, 
works. It's a different works right there. So just read it just like that. Show me thy faith without thy evidence, and I will show thee my faith by my evidence. Now, if anybody's ever heard me minister, you know that I believe every one of us, and I believe we do, sometimes we just don't realize the evidence that we do have. Because we're always looking for the next big shiny thing to come. But I'm telling you, any answered prayer is evidence of your faith. You do have evidence. You just may have to identify your evidence. And we always want to grow in faith. Because the Bible says that faith is right now. Now, faith is. Now, right now. Faith is right now. So we're not going to wait till tomorrow to believe God for what we're believing God for. No, right now. Right now. Right now. You know, Brother John Osteen back in the day in the late 60s, I think it was, he used to say it this way. Listen, I know all about the, 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 the by and by. But he said, I want to see something in the nasty. Oh, he said, he said, I know all about what's going to happen in the sweet by and by. You know, he was a good Baptist. And so, before he got filled, the Holy Ghost got kicked out. But anyway, he said, he said, I know all about the sweet by and by. He said, that's all we talked about all my life was the sweet by and by. He said, but I want to see something in the nasty now and now. And you know what? That's where our warfare is. It's not going to be that way in heaven right here. It's where we become doers of the word and not forgetful hearers only. And how are we going to do that? By faith, through the word, by the power of the mighty Holy Ghost. And I know that you are doing it. And so he said, I will show you my faith by the evidence that I possess. Our answered prayers. The things that God did for us when he met us. When we didn't have money for a light bill or a grocery money or a house payment. I mean, or back when we began to believe God to be debt free and we couldn't hardly make it till the end of the month. Our paycheck didn't even last till the end of the month. But God released an anointing in us to believe God to be debt free. And look here at you now, you're debt free. See, that's evidence. That is evidence. You think, well, I just kept paying my bills. That's how I got. You know what? It is evidence of your faith that you had the money to keep on paying your bills. Because everybody doesn't have that testimony yet. And so uh, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, we go through the word and there are many, many examples where faith wrought great victories. But you know, here's what the Lord said to me. He said in this coming year, he said, I want my people to not be moved by what they see, what they hear, what they feel, because I'm telling you, all of that is flesh and it'll lie to you. The flesh is nothing but a liar. It's a liar. I'm telling you, your flesh, my flesh, everybody's flesh, it's nothing but an it's a lying, attention-seeking Blow hard. 
got to, that's all it is. But you know what? We live in this fleshly body, but we are a spirit and we are filled with the spirit and we do we live in this world but we are not of this world and therefore I want to know what is up with this when you can't tell any difference in how the church manages their problems and how the world manages theirs we've just doctored up our speech pastor to make it sound good and churchy and then we go right on doing it just like the world. Mm. Mm. So the Lord said, I want my people to move from the pages right here. And I want them to begin to move from the pages that right in here. Because we are epistles. We are living epistles. And we have placed this word in us. And in us and in us. Now let me tell you something. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk after the the spirit and do not walk after the flesh. That's just my rendition of that. So... I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what happened this year up until now, last year, 10 years ago, 70 years ago. I don't care what happened. Because you know what? When you stay real close to God, you're not looking backwards. Because he doesn't look backwards. And if you've got your eyes set on him, if you'll notice, you're always looking forward and you're always looking up. He is very forward thinking, forward speaking. He is forward. He is come on, get up, move on. Let's go. Let's go from all of this. And so the Lord, although we're going to be reminded of some places here where absolutely faith, faith, even out of the dispensation when it should have worked for certain people. When they weren't even in covenant, but their faith wowed God. You know what? I want to wow God. I want to wow him with my faith. I want to wow him with my praise. I want to wow him with my commitment. I want to wow him with my faithfulness. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to impress anybody except him. But buddy, I'm on it to try my best. I'm doing my level best to impress him. Because I found some people in the Bible that their faith impressed him. So join me this morning, and I'm not going to read all of these stories because it's Sunday morning. I want you to join me in Mark chapter 10. You're all very familiar with the story of what we call blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Let's see, Mark 10. Uh, Let me find it. This Bible is so marked up, but I am believing God is going to take me right on to glory. The Bible says in verse uh, uh, 46 of chapter 10 of the book of Mark. And they came to Jericho and he 
And as he went, speaking of Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now that is the condition this man was in. He was a blind beggar, which made him worse. It was worse for him than being blind, and it was worse for him than being a beggar. He was a blind beggar. And he had this garment on that identified, it was kind of like his license, uh, that he could be led out there and sat down at this certain place and he could beg uh, as he heard uh, the businessmen uh, coming and going in the mornings and at noon and however they went. Uh, and and, they, and th- that's how he was supported. Now, so, so he was out there in this condition. But you know what? Back before we read about Brother Blind Bartimaeus, we see that Jesus had been doing some mighty, mighty miracles. Actually, there was another beggar who had been healed and delivered right before this. And then you all know about the woman with the issue of blood and just many things. Well, you know what? When God does something like that for you, what do you want to do? You want to tell it. Oh, somebody wants to testify. And so they would go and they would tell their friends. And then their friends would go tell other friends. And and then Jesus' ministry was just growing, growing, growing because of the miracles. The Bible says they were were following him. They just wanted to see something. Well, you know what? I'm kind of like them. I just want to see something. I really do. Now, I'm going to follow him if I don't ever see anything. The devil wants you to look at what's wrong. I want to see what's wrong. Right. And that's what I'm always looking for. What is right? Where is God moving in this? What is God doing in this? What's God saying? And so we have this powerful word. We have the written word. They didn't have it. We have the written word. We have old brother Logos. Woo, I love that brother. You know what? I cleave to him. I mean, I'll crave a crawl up on his shoulders, to stand up on his shoulders, to to find out what is it that I need to say. Now, Logo, Brother Logos, he don't talk much. He don't talk much, but you you speak when you're hanging out with Logos. But if you just keep on hanging out with Brother Logos, I'm telling you, Brother Rhema will come. Oh, and when you got a Rhema word from God, you've got something. You've got something then you can take to the bank because Rama is what broke you through the barriers that were keeping you from getting your answer. And you know what? Logos was chipping away at it, but the breakthrough doesn't come until you hear Rama. I love those brothers. I love them. And so blind Bartimaeus, um, he was sitting there uh, and he was begging. uh, And uh, the Bible says uh, that there was a great number of people, uh, 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 let's see, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Jesus. You see why the devil wants to take Jesus out of our vocabulary? That name that is above every name. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, that name is above every name and every name is subservient to that name. Oh, at the mention of that name in faith, knees in three worlds buckle when it's spoken in faith. But you know what? If you don't build it in your spirit, you don't even know what you're saying. God told me years ago, I want you to begin to pay attention. I want you to begin to pay attention. You don't ever heard the name. You never hear the name of Jesus preached on anymore. You don't have this has been years ago. He said, listen, listen to the songs. Boy, that's why today, did you see how the Holy Ghost came in and overshadowed us? I'm telling you, if you couldn't feel it, if you couldn't see it, you need help. And I know who will help you. Jesus. But when we magnify his name, Pastor, he shows up. It's like an invitation. It's like an invitation. And he said, here I am. I didn't even RSVP. I just showed up. I just showed up. Because when you called my name, when you called my name, I am here to answer. I am here to answer. And so... Brother Bartimaeus had heard something. He had heard of what had been coming, going on around him, and now here it is. Jesus has come to his town. And so he begins to cry out. And you know what? As usual, the religious folks tried to shut him up. Because we're too dignified to call his name. In an undignified way. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I don't know what happened to a bunch of Pentecostal people. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It's like they got bursitis or whatever. One of those, you know, where you can't move. I tell you, I don't know how you don't move. But anyway, and many, look here, and many. Sometimes it feels like there's more against you than there is for you, but that's not what the Word says. The Bible says there's more for us and with us than there are against us. Because remember this, it was only one-third of the angels that fell. Two-thirds have remained faithful. Glory be to God. And so the Bible says many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried more and a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And look here, Jesus stood still. He was moving and his faith, blind Bartimaeus, this blind beggar that nobody wanted to be around. He was an outcast of society. He stopped Jesus in his tracks. Why? Well, all we have to do is read right on down a little further. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good, be of good comfort. I'll tell you, boy, honey, they'll turn on you that quick. And then they'll turn right back. That's why you better never look to anybody but Jesus. The very ones that was trying to set him down and shut him up. Now they want to look important. They want to look like, oh, we believed that all along. We knew all along. You're supposed to get up and get over in the presence of Jesus. We knew Jesus was going to respond to you. You liar. 
didn't know nothing. You was trying to stop it. And came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And look here. Here's what Jesus said. Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. His faith made him whole. Not some doctor, and I'm not against doctors. I Don't go off and lie on me and tell it. And if I find out you did, I'll come to your house. I will show up on your doorstep. Because that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, our first look should be to look to Jesus. My first thing is going to be to look to Jesus and look at this word and get what Jesus says about it. And then we know about the woman with the issue of blood. She couldn't be touched even by her own family because she had an issue of blood. But you know, her faith rose to the level that she pressed pressed and pushed and got down real low and crawled among that bunch of smelly, dirty feet because they wore sandals and they walked everywhere. She didn't care. Her main objective is I'm going to get to Jesus because I believe that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I believe I have faith that I shall be made whole. And the Bible says when she touched the hem of his garment, virtue went out of him and she was healed. She was totally and completely healed. And he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. And then we think about those when a storm rose up with Jesus and his disciples in a boat. You know, uh, uh, sometimes we don't have faith. We, we have it, but we don't exercise it. And so this storm rose up and just like it blew up out of nowhere. Have you ever dealt with something that just blew up out of nowhere? I have. I have. And I'm telling you, you will sink like a one egg pudding if you don't believe God. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. You won't ever make it through it. You won't make it through it if you don't release your faith. Whatever it is, however it goes, you have to release your faith. That you can go through hard and troublesome times and come out of them loving Jesus. Loving, serving Jesus. Growing in Jesus. That's evidence. That is evidence that you have faith, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. That's your evidence. Honey, it is evidence. It is evidence that those of us who are older, it is evidence that we're still here. We're still standing. We're still happy. Honey, I'm not mad at anybody, and I'm sure not mad at God. I am telling you, I've been standing 
for some things for over 25 years, especially one thing, huh? for over 25 years. Huh? And you know what? It Sometimes it looks like I've broken through, huh? and then it'll go back. Huh? And you know what? I stand right in the face of the devil and say, I still believe. I still believe. I absolutely still believe. You're not backing me up. You're not shutting me up. You're not setting me down. I will believe yet the more. And the glory will be greater on the other side than it is if it'll happen right now. And so they're in this boat. And and they're headed somewhere. Jesus is down taking a rest in the, in the, the, the bottom of the boat. And the Bible says that this storm blew up and came seemingly out of nowhere until the wind and the waves were vehement. They were horrible. And the Bible says that the boat began to fill up with water. Now think about that. That which should be on the outside is now getting on the inside. Hmm. Ain't that a mess? Oh, yes, it is. And that's what happens with us. That that should stay on the outside, we play around with it and don't stand in faith, speaking and believing, no matter how we feel, no matter what we see. And that begins to get in us. Well, maybe this is just God's way. Maybe God's teaching me something. Honey, you and the devil are both a liar. Listen, I love God and I'm his child. And he is not going to let some outside devil beat me up, whip me, set me in the corner, put my nose in the corner. Ha, that's not the God I know. I'll tell you one thing. If anybody else had ever tried to whip my children, I might have whipped them with everything from a garden hose to an extension cord. My kids say, Mother, you would have been locked up if we'd have been born in this day. I might have done it. But I'll tell you one thing. I'd have whipped you if you'd have tried to whip them. You know what? I'm saying, not in a church situation, I wouldn't, but I'm just saying some stranger, some stranger that's up to no good would come in and start whipping on one of my children. Honey, I will tear your eyes out of your head, knock your teeth out of your mouth, and then I will stab you in the throat if you try to mistreat one of my children. I'm I'm sorry, all in Jesus' name, of course. Woo, got to clean that up. (laughs) But I mean it. And that's, I mean, if I love my children that way, and I'm not going to let some wicked somebody come in and start beating up on my children to correct them. Are you kidding me? How much more will God not do that? No, God can speak to me if I'm out of line. He doesn't have to let a devil come in and start beating the fire out of me. No, no, no. Honey, I'll beat the fire out of the devil with the word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. And so this storm, I mean, now now they're about to sink because the, the water is filling up. Think about that. The very thing that causes a boat to float. The water, the very thing that keeps it up is the very thing that when it got on the inside, instead of staying on the outside where it belonged, was going to be devastation. Think about that. 
Ain't that a mess? I just saw that. I had never thought about that before. Well, I just thank God for the Holy Ghost. Boy, that's good. Not because I said it's just good. That's good. And so, Jesus said to them, Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. How long am I going to have to deal with you? But you know what? It did because they ran and they got him. He still saved them. He just corrected them. See, that's what I'm talking about. He don't have to let a devil get a devil in to correct his own children. Okay. And so, let's see. I was going to tell that one. I was going to tell that one. I was going to tell that one. Oh, I know. The, the Canaanite woman that had the daughter that was sorely vexed with the devil. Now, you know what? It's one thing to have trouble in the church house. It's one thing to have trouble at the White House. It's one thing to have trouble at the schoolhouse. It, it's, it's, it's another thing to have trouble even at the outhouse. But you know, when you have trouble in your house, now that's on another level. Because you live with it day in and day out. And that's what this woman had done. Now, she was a Canaanite woman. Now, think about this. God had cursed Canaan. Right? God had cursed the Canaanites. So what are you going to do? She don't have a covenant. But her faith supersedes her dispensation. And she runs to Jesus because she's heard. And she's heard. And so faith has come and faith has come. And she didn't let a minor thing like not being a covenant woman stop her. She said, no, no, no. If he'll do it for one, he'll do it for me. What's wrong with us saved and filled with the Holy Ghost to the uttermost? And we don't push in like that. Listen, if he's ever healed anybody, he'll heal me. If he's ever raised anybody, he'll raise me me. If he's ever provided for anybody, he'll he'll provide for me. If he's ever comforted anybody, he'll comfort me. That's just what I believe. I just absolutely believe it. You know why? Because it's what I see throughout the word. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. It's Old Testament. It's New Testament. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And so Jesus turned her down. She wasn't moved. She had gone to get her child healed. She had gone to him. That's in uh, Matthew chapter 15, I think, or 16, or somewhere in there. If you read your whole Bible, you can find it, because I know it's in there. Her daughter was sorely vexed with the devil. And so, the two, they tried to get rid of her because she is showing out. She was too loud. The disciples tried to push her aside. Honey, good luck with that. When you got a mama that's believing God, good luck with trying to set us down. Good luck with trying to shut us up. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. And so, the Bible says that Jesus said, you know, so to speak, this is me talking. It's not your time. It's not your time. It's, it's not your time. I mean, I, you know, it, her faith perplexed Jesus. But you know what? She said, listen, I get that. I get that. But even dogs, even dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She said, listen, I'm not asking for a loaf. I'm not even asking for a slice. I believe you are so powerful. If you'll just let a crumb fall on the floor, I 
I'll get way down. I'll get down real low. I'm not ashamed to get a crumb off of the floor. I am not ashamed. I will do it. And you know what? What Jesus said, he was amazed at her faith. And he said, go in peace. Your daughter is made whole. From I think it says from that very same hour or something like that. Your, your daughter is made whole. Now, those are miracles that we tout, and we rightfully so, we should. And there's many, many more. I'm telling you, we could just, we could go on and on, but we're not going to because it's Sunday morning and you have a roast in the oven. But I'm not making any promises about tonight because I got a word. But here's what the Lord said to me. I want you to challenge the people to begin to search yourselves and find out, Lord, show me, what, what's my evidence? What evidence do I have, evidence do I have that possibly I have overlooked as evidence? You know what? When you go into a court, you know, people can accuse you of anything. But in America, they have to have evidence against us. And that evidence has to be proven. And if that evidence is jacked with or played with or whatever you want to call it or, or you know, reassembled or I, I don't know the right words. Yeah, tampered with. That's a great word. If, if the evidence has been canceled, tampered with, you know what happens? The whole case gets cast out of court. And they will de- decree. De- declare, I think it's a mistrial or, or it just gets completely thrown out and, and it never comes back. I'm not sure how all that works because that just came to me. But here's the thing. Here is the thing. We have evidence. And you know what? There is a court of heaven. We come before the court of heaven (laughs) and we have a wonderful attorney. His name is Jesus. And he will bring the evidence Before the throne on our behalf, there is evidence of your faith. Now, I'm going to tell this and God gets all the glory because, honey, when you hear these things, you'll know there's no way any mortal man could have had even a fingerprint on it. My best friend, her name is Moreland. We've been best friends back when it was kind of dangerous for us to be best friends because she is African-American. And y'all might have guessed, on the outside, I'm white. But her first husband, who was a pastor, and my husband were best friends. We were best friends all these years. He went on to heaven, and now we're all best friends with her new husband. She remarried after 12 years, and he is just a wonderful, wonderful man of God. Well, back in the 80s, I can't remember exactly what time it was, and I meant to call her, but my plane was late, and so I, 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 I got my mind off of it, and it has nothing to do with my age. I just got my mind off of it. And so, back in the 80s, Moreland, my friend, started getting sick. She was just weak, and she was just sick. And she was like me. She had always been just healthy as a horse. And uh, she's geared a little lower than me, but we're still best friends. But she was still healthy. And uh, 
her first husband had already gone home to be with the Lord. And she called me and she said, Sandy, I have been diagnosed with sarcoidosis. And I think I'm saying that right. I'd never heard of it because it is, I, I believe I remember it is only in the African-American race, but if not, it is very predominantly in the African-American race. And it is a lung disease. And I mean, it's a killer. And back then, it was really a killer. I, don't, I haven't looked at it today to see if they've come up with anything. But I was preaching up in Missouri, not too far on up out of the boot hill. And when I came out of Sunday morning service, I had a message from her daughter. And she said, uh, Sister Sandy, she said, where are you? And I said, I'm in Missouri. I'm preaching. She said, Sister Sandy, I think we're about to lose mother. And I mean, it just shook me. Because I knew she'd been diagnosed, I'd been praying, I'd been checking, but she, you know, she's a woman of faith and she hasn't, hadn't let me know the condition that she had gotten into. And so uh, she said, uh, Sister Sandy, is there any way you could come pray? And I said, well, honey, I'm preaching tonight, but let me ask the pastor how many hours I am out of Memphis and, and I'll call you back. He said, Sister Sandy, you can make it. If you, if you don't eat lunch, you can make it. I said, I don't need anything to eat anyway. And so I drove to Memphis. And I'm telling you, church, I was shocked at what I saw. Now, my friend is, she's just a beautiful brown. She's kind of light-skinned, I guess you would say. But she was gray when I got there. I mean, gray. Her head, she's a small woman. Her head looked like it was about this big because her body was so skinny. And she was so sick, Pastor Jerry. So sick. So I prayed for her. I laid hands on her. I prayed for her. I anointed her with oil. I, I, we took communion because, I mean, the meal that heals. We took communion, and I had to jet on back to uh, Missouri to preach that night. But when I left there, I was praying in the Spirit, and I just said out of my mouth, God, is my friend going to die? I don't know why I said that, because that's not the way I talk. And he said, no, she's not, but I'll tell you this, you are in for the fight of your life. Clear as I said it to you. I said, okay, I'm up for fight. I, my husband says, I love a fight better than anybody he ever knew. <laughs> he says, I think I'm bulletproof and 10 feet tall. And you know what? I kind of do in the spirit. So I knew God had given me that. And so, you know, I was just praying, checking on her and it didn't seem like anything was getting better. And so maybe a month later, uh, back then, you know, we didn't have cell phones like we do now. And so, um, but I always kept my phone turned off in my bedroom because my husband worked odd hours and I didn't want to, him to ever be awakened by the phone. And so upstairs, we never heard the phone at night. Well, at 3 o'clock this one morning, Inga's going to know what I'm about to say, uh, my phone rang and it was my friend Moreland. She said, Sandy, she said, this is the seventh night that I've not been able to lay down in the bed. She said, I can't breathe. Well, see, I knew because I knew the doctor had told her, you know, he said, you know, 
you'll get where you can't breathe and actually you'll drown because it's a lung disease. It's kind of like cancer. It's, it's horrible. And um, um, so, you know, and I'm speaking to sarcoidosis. I'm saying you let you, you go from my friend. You're nothing but a name. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm not one bit impressed with you. You go from my friend. You're not impressing me. You're not about to impress me. And so the phone rang, and she said that. And she said, Sandy, I wanted to talk to you because she said, I want you to keep a lookout on my girls. I want you to keep them strong in the spirit. I said, what are you talking about? I'm about to get up and go downstairs. We're going to pray. Don't No, because see, that's not the way she would have normally talked. I, I, y'all, I can remember this like it was last night. I stepped down on the first step and the second step. And when my foot hit that third step, I heard this. God said, sling the blood. What's that? So in my house, I have a big foyer. I have a parlor. I have a formal dining room. I have a kitchen and a breakfast area. And if you walk around and around and around praying, you just walk circles. You just walk circles. And so (laughs) that's what I did. And I, I just started praying in tongues. And I just, I didn't know, I didn't know what the Lord was really saying. So I just said, I was doing this. I'll never forget it. Had her on the phone. I said, Moreland, I heard God say, sling the blood. I'm slinging the blood. And I was just doing this. I was doing this and I was walking. I said, I sling the blood. Devil, you listen to me. Look here. You look at me. I'm slinging the blood. The blood of Jesus is against you. The blood prevails. The blood, the blood of Jesus. I'm slinging it. I'm slinging the blood. I'm slinging the blood of Jesus. What are you going to do with this devil? I'm telling you, I got bold. What are you going to do about this devil? The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And then God began to open my eyes in the spirit. And I began to see in the spirit, it looked like a slaughterhouse. You know what that's like. You've probably been one. I have because I'm from the country. And you know, we're now, oh Lord, don't let nobody attack me over pets or killing animals. Don't even bother, honey. Don't even bother. It won't hurt. It won't help any. But anyway, so I'm slinging the blood. I'm slinging the blood and God's opening my spiritual eyes and I'm seeing what's going on in the spirit. It absolutely is like a slaughterhouse. I mean, blood on the walls, blood on the floor, blood on the ceiling. You talk about blood splatter. I am talking blood. And so I'm seeing myself. There's no distance in the spirit. She's in Memphis and I'm in Malvern, Arkansas and I'm slinging the blood. That was at three clock when she called. I started slinging the blood probably about 3.15. I don't know exactly. And I walked and I slung the blood till 6.30. And at 6.30, I looked at the the clock. And right when I looked at the clock, and I guess I was going to take a breath to sling it some more. She said, Sandy, Sandy, I feel like I can go lay down. I said, well, Moreland, a well woman would. A well woman would go and lay flat down in her bed, and she would go to sleep. And so she told me, so that was at 6.30 that morning. I didn't hear from her that day. I didn't hear from her the next night. And, oh, the devil wouldn't tell me, you need to call and check on her. You need to call and see about her. I thought, no need for me to see about her. Jesus is saying about her. 
No need for, I'm wore out. I'm wore out from fighting that devil. And so, and so, but the next morning, my phone rang. I'll never forget it. I can tell you right where it was. I was walking around Jerry Don's corner of the bed, making the bed. And the phone rang. I, answered, I heard it ringing downstairs, and I answered it upstairs. And she said, Sandy, guess what I'm about to do? I said, what? She said, I am about to go to IHOP and eat. Now, she hadn't been able to eat. She was a rail. She said, the girls are coming to pick me up. She said, I got a taste for IHOP. Now, I'm telling you, all I was was there. (laughs) You know, I was present. (laughs) I was present to obey, but it was the word of the Lord that healed and delivered her. Now, my friend is still healed today. Oh, yes, she is. Oh, yes, she is. Because he sent his word and healed her and delivered her of all her destructions at Calvary. It happened at Calvary Church. It didn't happen that night. That night's when the devil got drove off that was trying to take her healing. But I had a word from God. I had a rhema word. I had a rhema word. I couldn't do that on my own. I couldn't just decide, hey, what about we just sling the blood? Honey, I'd wore myself to a frazzle. She'd probably wound up in the hospital and God would have done it another way. But see, I wasn't in the flesh. I had a word. I had a rhema word. Now, you all know the battle of my faith that I had for my first grandson, my little Cooper. But God gave my husband a word. They wanted to institutionalize him at 18 months. They said he'll never know who you all are. He'll never talk. His brain is not able to, for some reason, receive signals. Or send signals, I guess. However it was. Honey, I don't study what the devil's saying. I study what the word says. But I know this, it was bad. It was bad. And it was very bad, the report was. And when they called me and they told me the diagnosis, even this, Pastor, and I only tell this because God told me to, I was standing right about to turn into my foyer and go upstairs. And my oldest daughter called and said, Mother Cooper has been diagnosed with XYZ. It doesn't matter what it was. I'm not going to glorify the devil. Because it's just a name. And pastor, it felt like a wind came out of me and a guttural, no! But it was like wind went out of me. It's the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm telling you, my children were devastated. That was their baby, their firstborn, Cooper. Cooper Lawson Bailey is his name. Don't forget that name. Cooper Lawson Bailey. And so, oh my goodness, they said, he'll never this, he'll never that, he'll never this. And you know what? In the natural, it looked like he had never. He was four years old and had never even acted like he even thought about potty training. 
He couldn't walk. He was four years old. He could not walk. And he was a big old boy. He's still a big old boy. And I'm telling you, I towed him around on one hip. My, my daughter was pregnant with her second one. She towed him around on her hip. We'd take him to the swimming pool. And I'd just speak the word over him. You're going to swim. You're going to swim, Cooper. You're going to swim. You're going to walk. And so Jerry Don and I went and got him and took him to our house out on the lake. Uh, our, it, it was a condo at that time. We sold that one. We got another one now. But anyway, it had a, a veranda on it. And I don't know how many feet that thing was, but boy, it was long. And I set Cooper down. I'd be going to teach him to walk, you know. And I was going to put my feet behind his and all. And he'd just do like this and just double down, just sit down. It's like he, he couldn't get it that you have to stand up. But I did get him pulling up. Well, that right there was a miracle that he would pull up. But then if you try to get him to move his feet, he'd just sit down on you. He wasn't potty trained. He couldn't walk. But God had given my husband a word. And he said he was driving. And I've never even seen one of these things. But he said, sweetheart, God showed me. He said, there are these, they're, they're to trick your eyes or to trick your brain or something. And they're so like a card. And it'll have like, say, 100 little tiny squares on it. And every one of them has got a zero in it, except for one, and it'll be a C. You know, and for your eye to catch that. I don't know what, I don't know the purpose, but that's what my husband said. And he said, the Lord showed me one of those, and he said, my mind went immediately to the C. This is all in the spirit. He's driving. And he said, and God spoke to me. And he said, Cooper is not a zero. He is a C. And he said that C stands for Christ, the anointed one. And so we went on that word and we just stood in faith and we believed. And so, uh, of course, they have him in a special school. They can't teach him to walk. He sits down on them just like he does me. They have to change his diaper just like I do. And he just act like he didn't care. He's four years old and wasn't even embarrassed or anything. Just act like little old boys, you know, they'll just sprawl out everywhere, let you do whatever you need to do to them. And so, but you know, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking to parents and grandparents. But I just kept on speaking the word. I just kept on saying, Cooper, you're, you're a C. You are not a zero. And I'd say, you're going to walk. And so God gave me a prayer to pray over him. And I began to pray. Cooper will start to school on time in a regular school. He will start to school on time at a regular school. Because, you know, they were talking all this stuff. I just kept speaking it. I kept speaking it. Christy Quill said, Mother, do you know how many months it is before he's going to have to go to that regular school you're talking about? Oh, we had some real deals. Because, you know, her fa- she wanted to faint. I wasn't about to faint. I mean, I'm telling you, when I feel like I was going to faint, I'd go get right in the Bible with the word to revive myself. And so one time she called me. She was just crying. Oh, my baby, my baby, I need, oh, my baby. And I started speaking the word. She said, Mother, I called. I, I need a mother, not a preacher. I said, well, then you better call one because you called a preacher. <laughs> I said, I'll tell you one thing. 
you don't want me to get an agreement with you because my words have power. And I hung up on her. I tell you, I hung up on her. She told me later that made her so mad at me, hurt her feelings so bad, but helped her more than about anything else I've ever said to her. And so, little Cooper, I found out the day before, Friday, before I came down here yesterday, I found out, of course, Cooper is brilliant, and God has just moved. Okay, let me tell you, out on that veranda, I set him down, and he went over, he kind of scooted over to that one of my chairs. He got up, and y'all, this is how fast it happened. He looked around, and you know, babies usually toddle, you know, and they'll fall, and they're, he walked. You know how men have a gait? He walked. He started walking like men walk. Swinging those arms. He walked a whole thing. I mean, that quick. I didn't try to help him. And then, about maybe a month later, we said, Where's Cooper? Where's Cooper? He was on the commode and never wet his pants or anything else after that. Nobody put him on the commode. My God, he was big enough. He could have sat on one if it had been for a giant. That's how fast it happened. So they tested him. They said, yeah, he can come to this school. But when he started reading, he could read. And he's 10 years old now. And he reads on a freshman of college level, but he couldn't. No, wait a minute. We knew about that for years. I mean, he just kept, I mean, just supernatural ability to read, but he couldn't tell you the whole story. You know, they said his brain would process like the first part of the story. For example, this is an illustration my daughter gave me. She said, if you, if he read a story that said, there was a, a boy, and he had a grandfather, and his grandfather lived out in the woods, and he had a knife collection from the Civil War, and, you know, and all of that. All Cooper would get, uh, and that boy's going to his grandfather's house, and his grandfather's going to teach him how to sharpen knives and how to oil them and, you know, all of that. Cooper would only get, there was a, there's a boy, and he's going to his grandfather's house. That's all he'd get out of it. So, you know, I'm just praying, speaking the word, praying, speaking the word, believing God. Because he's like a genius in everything else. I mean, not that he is a genius, but he's my little genius. And that's what I tell him all the time. But he is so smart and artistic. Oh, my Lord, that boy can draw. But anyway, so Christy Camille met this lady. You know, my kids are very educated. And she was somewhere and she met this lady. And she was, she asked her what she did for a living. And she said that she tricks children's brains. And my, my daughter said, what? And so they laughed and they found out that she is a doctor in something. And that you can trick the brain to learn what it's not been doing. And so anyway, I, I, I'm not educated and I can't tell you how they do it. But she said, mother, it is working. And she said they use painter's tape. And they put Cooper in this and they say, tell me the story from the grandfather's perspective. And he'll tell that side of it. Now tell me the, the, the story from, from the little boy's perspective. He'll tell that part of it. Now tell me the story from your perspective. 
And somehow or another, they're tricking his brain, and he's catching right on. Now, let me tell you, they were pulling Cooper out of class to try to help him comprehend what he reads. Now, Cooper doesn't have to be pulled. They, they were um, adjusting his test, his, you know, like his reading comprehension. They were adjusting it somehow or another. I don't know anything about it. But they don't even have to do that now. That's a miracle. That's evidence of faith. Did it happen overnight? No, it didn't. Did it happen in a year? No, it didn't. Did it happen in 10 years? Yes, it has happened in 10 years. And you know what? I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Because it's not going to hinder Cooper. And it's built my faith. It's, I've learned things through this. It's empowered me in ways that I wasn't empowered before. I'm telling you, children, faith is a force. And I know that you have stories like this. It may not be the same stories as mine, but you have stories like this. And God wants you to begin to think and to search out, what's my evidence? What is the evidence of my faith? And then increase your faith. Increase your faith through the word of God, through praying in the Holy Ghost. Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Get hold of the revelation of the word of God and then plant your feet and don't move. Don't move. But remember this, you have to have a rhema word. Rhema breaks through. Rhema tells you it's done. All you have to do now is thank me. All you have to do now is praise me because it is finished. Now, all glory goes to God because I'm sure you can listen to my stories and I could tell more and more, but I'm not going to. But they're all the same. They are all the same. They were all, every one of them was done through faith in God. And just obeying what God said. What God said. Now, can you get miracles with logos? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I've seen it happen. It's happened with me before. But I'm telling you, those kind of miracles, and like with my husband, I'm telling you, it was one rhema after another. That's my evidence. I want you to begin to dig out your evidence. And I want you to begin to encourage yourself with your evidence. And I want you, God wants you, this year to move forward. To move forward in your evidence being more and more on display. And I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with thanking God and speaking it out to people. I want to tell you what God did for me. I want to tell you what God did for me. 
and always give him the glory because remember you don't want to be killed by an angel and then eat by worms you, you don't, don't try to take his glory all glory goes to him all glory goes to him because I'm telling you you and I can't do it you and I cannot do it but I'm telling you we're going to learn more tonight but at Calvary it's all already done you're not trying to get God to do something he's already done it what you're having to do is take it by faith.